Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. And welcome to another edition of The Coaching Show. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Uh, in the studio today with me is our, is our, you're becoming a stalker. You're becoming like a regular here. Our uh, delightful friend, Alex Terranova. Alex, you are a coach. You're an ACC coach. You've been in practice for, I'm going to say, four years. Yeah, you're, you're getting it. You're learning. You're growing together. <laughs> Tell the people about uh, your brand, The Dream Mason, and what that means. Yeah, The Dream Mason is a idea or a concept that I created, and it is the, the philosophy that we are all Dream Masons, that every single person alive at one point or another had a dream inside of them and you know may have been squished out or squashed or told they couldn't do it or it was impossible or whatnot. But ultimately, if they have the courage to dream again, and then they have the commitment to build that dream, they're Dream Mason. So I'm uh, committed to unleashing the Dream Mason in all of us. It's a really great concept, and uh, you can find out more about Alex. He's been all over. He's already been on uh, Focus TV's Good Morning La La Land, NBC Radio, the Rising Man podcast, but he's also got you. It's weird to talk about you in the third person when you're sitting right here. Stop staring at me. The Dream Mason podcast is uh, where you'll find him each and every week uh, on Accomplishment Media or iTunes or wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. Also, you can find out more by going to the Dream D-R-E-A-M, Mason, M-A-S-O-N.com, or you can track him on Instagram at inspirational Alex and Alex, you're, you, uh, we've gotten some feedback from people and they, they like you and they like our <laughs> dynamic. It's, it's surprising to me cause I'm, I'm so good alone, but, uh, thanks for, thanks for being here. Is there, uh, are you shooting for my job? Are you, what are you doing around here? You know, I love doing my podcast and our podcasts are so different mm-hmm. in, in the conversation, the guests, you know, you bring on some really high integrity intellectuals and I bring it and I bring on, I don't know. Prof- actors, yeah. Be careful what you say there. Athletes. No, True. no, but we just bring in very, very different kinds of people talking about. It. So I love being here with you. I love the conversation. I actually always feel like I learned something. So nice. I get value. I get, I, I think I contribute some value. Uh, yeah, I would love to in the future, take over the, you know, the coaching show. How dare you continue? It's like the tonight show, you know, the next oh, and the next, and, and you know, and when I have a f- gray hairs and, Somebody takes over for me. I'm I'm going to inspect you very carefully (laughs) next time I see you. All right. uh, Thank you very much for being here. But what I'm uh, eager to hear your feedback, my dear listener. So send us something. Send us a tweet. Send us an email to producer at at the coaching show or producer at accomplishmentmedia.com. Either one of those will get to us and uh, let us know, you know, how you think the show is going and uh, suggestions, ideas. And of course, uh, don't forget to promote yourself and invite yourself onto the show. Um, Our guest today is, I'm very excited about this for a couple of reasons. She's a leader in the coaching field. She's got over 20 years of experience coaching entrepreneurs and business owners. She's known to be a a coach's coach in the profession. She's a pioneer and a founder of many things. She's also an instructor and mentor coach for the University of Miami and Coral Gables, the professional coach certification certificate program. I lost the ability to speak. Seven Paths Forward also. She works with them and ClientWise and Coach Masters Academy. She was a founding member and the first president of ICF Washington State and is the recipient of the 2015 ACES Award of Management of Coaching, Excellent and Service. We're delighted to welcome back to our microphones, Molly Gordon. Hello, Molly. Hello. Yay. Yay, you. We should have more sound effects. Uh, (laughs) Um... We should let people know that uh, you can be found all over, but you are not the actress, Molly Gordon, who stole your name and your position in the Google search. Uh, But you can be found, uh, I believe, at Shaboom Inc. That's S-H-A-B-O-O-M-I-N-C.com. Is that the best place to find you if people get enthralled? Molly, um, what's what's the work that you do? generally speaking, or the work that you consider to be your primary work? Is it training coaches? Is it coaching? Is it providing transformational or spiritual guidance? What are you up to? Beats me, Christopher. <laughs> um, what I do know, I'm, I'm still, I've got a, a number of individual coaching clients. Some of them are um, 
executives. I do probably 20% executive coaching, uh, 20% individual private coaching, often business owners, but not always. And the bulk of my work these days has evolved into what I think of as developing coaches. That's the word that's resonating for me. There's sometimes teaching, sometimes training, sometimes mentoring, supervising. But this idea of helping coaches develop really has become very meaningful to me. And are we talking about new coaches or coaches who have been around a while like Alex, who's got four years or ancient coaches like me, 27 years in? That whole range of with seven paths forward, we're looking at helping good coaches become great coaches. And what does it take to make that transition? At uh, Miami and client-wise, I'm primarily working with brand new coaches. Uh, with Coachmasters Academy, I teach an advanced track for uh, kind of um uh, uh, I've, I just lost the word myself, but like right. mid-range coaches. Ah, so not, not baby coaches, but not yet really experienced. So making that transition into more experienced coaches. The whole spectrum is meaningful to me. It's like there's no part of an artist's development that is uninteresting. And so for Chris, me, there's no part of a coach's development that's so uninteresting. Christopher can still get better is what I was getting. <laughs> one, um, one can hope. <laughs> um so that's too, Molly. That's, that's, so, too. that's so cool that you're – so at the University of Miami, is it a major? Can people major in coaching? I don't believe it's a major. It's a certificate program. Okay. So I'm pretty sure it's not a major. Is it? Is uh, the people that are taking this certificate program, are they undergraduates? Are they – the Most of them tend to be adult learners who have already completed their higher education. You know, we've had PhD student, students who have PhDs in various fields. We have a lot of uh, experienced managers. Uh, so it tends to be adult students who have already completed a degree in something. Do you think we'll get to that point where we have, I mean, it, it, I'm not that, I mean, I guess I am, I'm, I'm, further removed from college than I would like to believe yeah. I am. But um, do you think we'll get to that point where we have, you know, you could major in coaching and walk out of, you know, your four-year degree with, you know, huh. as, a, as a certified coach and create a practice and then continue to develop? I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. Uh, while I think coaching is a, is a distinct um, profession and skill set. I'm not. It doesn't thrill me to think of it as an academic major. I guess it, that could be fine for some, but I would hate to see an academic major become the dominant path to coaching. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for the experiential learning. Me too. Thanks for saying that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to take it. One of the things that I want to let people know is that you've been a force in the Pacific Northwest. You make your home somewhere in the wilds of Washington State and um, with your with your husband, the Charming Prince. And yep. um, uh, one of the things that I'm aware of is how Seattle has grown. Any comments oh. about the changes that you've seen in the coaching community up there as prices have skyrocketed and, you know, more than one major uh, company has made its headquarters there and brought in, you know, people from around the world. Right. Well, I would say that the opportunity for coaching in organizations has certainly expanded dramatically in the Seattle area. And we've got companies like Amazon and Google. I don't actually personally know um, how Amazon uses or doesn't use coaches, but I presume they do. I know Google has a robust um, internal and external coaching program. Mm -hmm. uh, we see, uh, I see coaches coming out, or I see people coming out of the tech field in Seattle and going into coaching. I, I'm seeing some of that, and that's really promising. I think there's some um, emerging leaders locally in the coaching industry who came out of tech and have a good business understanding and now are bringing that to the field. Um, so, yes, it, it's changed greatly. And at the same time, I think in the Pacific Northwest, we've always had a really healthy um, individual coaching market, whether you call it life coaching or personal coaching or small business coaching. That market has always been really healthy here. Great. Well, thanks for 
sharing about that. And if we have time, I'd like to talk to you about some other developments like the PCC markers training and what your thoughts mm. are about that. But yeah. I, uh, it won't surprise you that we're very eager to have you on immediately after we reviewed what you wrote as an open letter to the coaching community mm-hmm. last week. Um, first of all, where did I see this letter? Because I saw it someplace and then I immediately lost where I found it. I posted it um, on my, I posted it at LinkedIn and on my business page on Facebook. And then I shared it on my personal Facebook profile and to a, at least one and possibly two coaching groups on Facebook. And so it could have been any of those four places. Very good. So this is also sort of giving our listeners a guide as to when you want to get something out there, how you can go about it, how one can go about it. So it came mm-hmm. across, I came across it and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I had um, spoken with Annie Gelfland, both Alex and I interviewed Annie Gelfland recently. Uh, I'm sorry, it was Jay Perry and I uh, mm-hmm. interviewed Annie Gelfland recently talking about her Essence of Mastery Summit. And yet here you are with an open letter saying, this is why I, di- I used to participate and I'm not participating in this. Yes anymore. You spoke about her by name and her summit by name. And that created some ripples, I'm imagining. What are some of the things you've heard from humans having sent this communication out? Most of what I've heard has been uh, uh, positive feedback for raising the profile of this issue. Uh, you know, Annie invited me to the summit this year. I remember last year seeing this summit go by uh, in my social media feeds and just visually noting that all the faces were white and making a mental note to myself that that was problematic. And on that basis, deciding not to, you know, I didn't promote it last year. And then this year, Annie reached out and invited me to be a speaker. And I had no recollection in that moment of last year's reaction. And I just responded to Annie, who's an amazing and delightful and wise woman. And what I thought was the genius of the design of the summit, which is to explore and and map more fully the distinctions that help people go from being earning a PCC credential with ICF to an MCC credential. I was all on board with all of that. So I said, yep, we did an interview. And then the promotional materials came out and I went, ah, expletive deleted. (laughs) I can't do this, Uh, which was really bad timing on my part. You know, I feel responsible for not having looked into the diversity of the panel before saying yes. Um, That was my own failing. So anyway, when I looked at it again, I decided that it was important to withdraw in order to make it, to raise the profile of this issue in the coaching community, because people had raised the issue last year and uh, changes were not made. So well, that's the backstory. I, I feel like it's important uh, to say that the topic that you're talking about is diversity. You felt like yes. diversity was lacking in that panel. I also want to let Nicole know that we also want to say hi. <laughs> Whatever that background noise is, we're picking it up pretty clearly. I don't. I don't think they can, she can hear it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's on the recording, but we are hearing some background noise. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I thought that was in uh, her hers. Anyway, uh, you no, had something. I, well, Go. I think that's great because if I think until this point, like I have the letter sitting, you know, your open letter sitting in front of me. Um, but until Christopher and the team shared this with me, I wasn't aware of it. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people listening, you know, they may be aware, they may not. And so I think it's where for what's if somebody's listening to this and is like, wait, I want to know what they're talking about. Where can they go find this first? Okay, so my uh, Facebook page is uh, facebook.com forward slash Shaboom Inc. I'm pretty sure that's it. And that would be the easiest way to find it because it's pinned there. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm, I know I read it this morning and was like, wow, you know, I was totally taken aback. You, you're a great writer, but also you make some powerful points that I could say we could look at this in a lot of industries, not just coaching. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, How do we, you know, you you kind of bring some of the points, but how do we start shifting this from the, you know, ground up? Because it's it's not just here, right? Like contextually, it's all over the place. It is all over the place. Uh, It's a deeply rooted, longstanding, gnarly challenge to solve because the 
the culture, and forgive me, this language may be really triggering for some less uh, listeners, but the culture of white supremacy has been around for a long time. And those of us who uh, have benefited from it, who are privileged by it, are, are naturally tend to be blind to it. So one difficulty is, is bringing it to the surface. Another difficulty is that um, any loss of privilege on my part is going to be experienced by me as at best an inconvenience and at worst a horrible unfairness. And so there's a natural tendency of people to resist any loss of their own privilege or convenience or advantage. So that's another layer of complexity. It's hard to see and when you see it, it's hard to find the will to change it. If you see it and manage to summon the will to change it, it can then be very difficult to find the levers of change. And I think this is what was facing Annie. I'm sure that uh, she was genuine and sincere in her desire to create a more diverse and equitable summit this year. She failed, I think, because of a failure of understanding that it takes more than goodwill and, uh, and a few phone calls and emails to create diversity. Diversity is a much more complex and deep thing to achieve. Well, I want to I want to challenge you, if I may, on this. So, mm -hmm. well, the first thing is it's highly irregular, highly unusual, in my experience anyway, for uh, one coach to call out a specific other coach or coach um, organization or event mm. for something. Right. In fact, it used to. One of the things that Annie was talking about is that well, you know. She wanted to take the high road, but also the, in her view, the ICF code of ethics suggests that people shouldn't, coaches shouldn't uh, denigrate or talk down or, or speak critically okay. of other coaches. I looked and uh, I've been privileged to work with the ICF on their ethics for about 10 years, nine years. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was in the ethics, the code of ethics previously, like the 2007, but in the 2015 redo of the Code of Ethics, there's nothing about that. So there's a lot of additions, but that was something that was taken out. So I don't think it's against necessarily, at least my reading of the Code of Ethics, but it is unusual. Did you feel like, because it's such an endemic, to, to pick up Alex's point, it's sort of everywhere. Did you yes. feel like it was valuable or necessary to point to one coach or one one coaching event? Well, I, I have to confess, you know, I, Annie's going to have her experience. And if she says she feels singled out or attacked, I respect that that's her experience. That, in my view, was neither my intent nor my behavior. I identified the event and I, I named her as an organizer. Those are facts. I, in, at no point, in my understanding, attributed any ill will. To Annie, I simply said, this is a, this is a situation um, that, and I don't think I use this, these particular words, but it's a system, a situation that has arisen out of a structural and systemic problem. It's not going to be resolved unless we take responsibility for looking at the structures and systems. Mm. And if we don't call it out in specific instances, I don't know how we can begin to surface the structures and systems and dismantle them. And I looked, you know, I deeply considered before taking action because coaching or not coaching, I didn't want to inconvenience and cause expense, um, potential embarrassment, frustration, in inconvenience to anyone, let alone a colleague and someone I honor as much as I honor Annie. However, it happened that as I was trying to arrive at a decision about whether to stay in the summit or not, two things came across my social media feeds. And one was the, I'm trying to remember now, the birthday of, uh, I think it was the birthday of Michael Brown, who's one of the young black people who has been killed by police in recent years. Uh, it was also uh, uh, Trayvon Martin's mother was running for public office. Mm -hmm. Trayvon Martin's another innocent young black man who was killed by our police system. 
I have colleagues and friends and fellow human beings in many communities of color who are suffering day in and day out as a result of systemic oppression and bias. When I hold that up against the inconvenience and costs to Annie, to the summit, to the coaching community, I just don't think, I, I can't compare those. I think that, the, that the, what's at risk uh, is a far greater moment um, in terms of uh, the experience of people of color than the inconvenience and uh, disruption that it makes to our coaching community. So that's how I see it. Yeah, thanks. I, thanks, Molly, for saying that. I, I wrote down when you were speaking, like it's so much bigger than the individuals. Exactly. I'm really sorry that individuals have to take the fall or the, you know, the burden of this, but we can't dismantle a system without taking individual action and paying individual prices. How do you, how do you decide then, you know, you to, to take a seat instead of being there and writing a letter versus being there and actually having this be the conversation that you create at the event. Yeah. The thing is the event is all pre-recorded interviews. So the event was, is already in the can. It's a done deal. So there wasn't, there isn't space okay. in the event for this conversation. Had this been raised in advance, for example, um, if, if Annie in who tried to get some, uh, uh, a more diverse panel and was not successful, if she had mentioned to me <laughs> as she was putting this together, gosh, I've been trying to create a diverse panel and I, I can't seem to do that, we could have had a discussion then and I could have connected her with a number of people. Uh, or we could have talked about, let's um, have a whole session around this. Uh, let's convene a panel to talk about what the barriers are and how we can change things. Uh, but that's not how it was done. And it's not that Annie did it the wrong way. It's just that the way she did it didn't have any space for speaking out during the event, except through social media. So how do we, you know, I think you said something before and you said, you know, it could offend or trigger some people. Um, you know, I know, I know all the, I don't know that I know, but I'm aware that the privilege I have is a white male. And mm -hmm. um, I heard something the other day that was like, you know, we have, uh, pride parades because no one ever made me justify my straightness. Like no mm -hmm. one ever made me. And I was like, wow, that's a really cool argument for why we do this for the people that are triggered by the fact that they don't get a straight parade or they don't get a yes. white man's march, but everybody doesn't get it right. Everybody doesn't that's see true. it as, as I see how fortunate I am just to have been born one way, which is, is silly overarching, but how do, how do we talk to the people that don't, that are yeah. triggered or offended in a way that doesn't make them wrong, mm -hmm. but gets them to be able to maybe see it differently or open up or have more compassion or empathy. Yeah. I, I think we do a couple of things. One, that whatever we say to people, that we say it in the awareness that they're deserving of our love and respect and honor as human beings. And I... I've done my best and, and perhaps I've failed, but I've done my best throughout this to have that stance and that attitude towards Annie and everyone else on this summit. All of the people on this summit I admire and have learned from. So uh, to speak with kindness and love, to be as persistent and consistent in our messaging as possible, to have the humility to know that we're not gonna get it right. One thing I noticed that's different in me today at age 65 than it was when I was involved in um, the civil rights movement in the 60s, 1960s, is that in those days I was uh, far more prone to be strident. There was a very strong self-congratulatory streak in my idealism. Uh, I got very high off of taking the high road and being right. And 
in contrast, today I feel very humble. I I do not feel at all certain of my rightness. I feel only certain of my obligation to do the best I can from where I sit. Uh, and so, for example, while I chose to make this public um, through a couple of social media channels, I have not been tweeting 24-7 to raise a fuss. I don't think that's going to help. What do you think is? I think this is the real thing. You know, it's one thing to step out of something because of a principled stand. But I think mm-hmm. um, I think our industry, I think anybody reasonable would also ask you, okay, so what are you going to do? Well, next week I'm speaking at ACTO, the Association of Coach Training Organizations annual conference uh, with a colleague, Desiree Attaway. The whole conference is devoted to exploring diversity, equity, and inclusion in the space of coach training. And we'll be speaking on bursting the bubble of bias and what it takes to do that. Uh, I'm Susie Pomerantz has invited me to write something for her uh, coaching journal, and I'll do that, and I'll write something for Choice Magazine. Uh, I think that we need, what this whole experience has done for me is help me realize that if I really want to see more diversity in uh, the credentialed ranks of ICF, I need to raise this with the whole assessor team and in the credentialing team and look at what may be in the way of people of color or people with, with other differences from the dominant culture being represented among the advanced credential holders. I hear from um, coaches of color in the U.S. that many of them got involved in coaching, earned their PCCs. Some of them were uh, tra- coach trainers, but over time they found that the cons- their concerns and the concerns of their communities were not valued by the coaching businesses. And so it just didn't look important to go any further to them. Well, but, okay, so there, let's go back a step, because the clearly ACTO's, you know, commitment this year, and I think it's mostly yes. driven by the by the president this year, Hallie McNabb, uh, to diversity and inclusion and actually doing something about it is a wonderful step forward. I think we'd all agree, not only by bringing the issue to the forefront, but also because what a great place to actually impact it at the level of training, right? The coaches... Mm-hmm beginning, so to speak, or the, or the, the start of their career. However, when we talk about mastery and that's really the, the title of your open letter is, Mm -hmm. isn't it true that our industry has been white North American, you know, Mm -hmm. from a certain, I mean, uh, something more homogenous, you could probably couldn't name because everybody's even in the, the same, uh, uh, financial, strata right where the question is how many to upper middle class right how many hundreds of dollars per hour should we be charging right is not a question that a lot of people deal with in the world so um so isn't it true that there is a dearth a deficit and an emptiness a hole uh in terms of people of color people from other cultures in the mastery masterful ranks in the people who have been doing this for 10 20 25 30 years Oh yes, absolutely. But w- are we go- are we satisfied to leave it that way? We call ourselves an international. You know, ICF is an international coaching federation. I think ICF has done a pretty good job over the years of working toward being truly international uh, and getting involvement worldwide on the board and in leadership. A lot, of, uh, a lot of those white people have access. Is that what you're saying? A lot of those white people have access. <laughs> right. But, you know, the thing is, there wasn't even I, there are a number of of Latino um, MCCs. There was when you really think about it, if you look around the world, it is shocking that we don't have more people of color and more diversity at the mastery level in ICF. And if one of the reasons is that white people wrote the code for getting there, then I think we have to look at that code. Clear. You've got a lot of, a lot of paths forward. I want to, uh, um, 
let people know once again how to get a hold of you and how to get more information about the work that you do, both as a coach, as a trainer, as a person who develops coaches, and also if they're interested in this particular topic or making a difference. Once again, the Facebook has a facebook.com forward slash shaboom, S-H-A-B-O-O-M-I-N-C. You also are on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash I n forward slash shaboom s-h-a-b-o-o-m or they can go simply to your website which is shaboom s-h-a-b-o-o-m-i-n-c dot com uh there's also of course a twitter at shaboom uh, anything that you want to say before the before we break alex and then no i mean Molly? this is uh, it's just very different to be on um a podcast with you like this christopher it's very um it's very serious i haven't you know and i appreciate the it's, it's interesting to hear, and uh, I appreciate what you're bringing, Molly, because it's not a conversation that I get to be involved in often, and, and I really enjoy it, and I think it's really important. Mm, thank you. Thanks. Molly, anything for you before we take a quick break? I'm just, I'm glad that we're having the conversation. Really glad to surface it. Me too. Thank you so much for taking a stand, and thank you, dear listener. We'll be back after these important messages. You're listening to The Coaching Show right here on AccomplishmentMedia.com or wherever fine podcasts are available. More with Molly Gordon and Alex Terranova, the Dream Mason, right after these words. Stay with us. Gotham Books presents Marriage Rules by Harriet Lerner. The book Martha Beck calls required reading for anyone hoping to interact successfully with any other human, not just for those in romantic relationships. Get your copy wherever books and ebooks are sold and visit harrietlearner.com to learn how to change your marriage today. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, the coaching show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. And welcome back to The Coaching Show. Today's edition, we have an in-studio guest co-host. Alex Terranova is The Dream Mason. You can find him at thedreammason.com. Alex, you've been a coach for how long? 20 minutes? 20, 21 now, 22, as long as we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> nice. You certified me, right? Four years. Four years I've been coaching. Four years in ACC. And with whom do you work generally? Um, you know, I really like working with athletes. That's my favorite, retired athletes. I think they have so much potential because of what they have already created and what they could put that energy into. But typically, it's they're, they're often in hiding. It's tough to find some of these yeah. amazing athletes. Um so typically I work with entrepreneurs, small business owners, really men that want to get more juice out of the lemon. If there's a better way, if, I don't know if there's a better way to say it, but who, you know, want more of their relationships, don't often feel like they don't have enough time to have the relationships and the money and the travel and the, you know, the fulfillment that they really desire. It's a cool niche. As you say, the marketing may be tough, but I love it because so often, at least now that I'm an older person, uh, <laughs> for men who, who, you know, graduate, so to speak, right. When we retire or when we, when we age out of whatever our industry is, um, we've, we've got a lot of personal concerns about relevance. Do you know, as a young man, you're relevant all the time and, you know, right at the cutting edge, but you can never do enough, right? I'm right. Like, <laughs> 
Right. You know, uh, slaying dragons and, you know, winning maidens and creating whatever uh, empires. But uh, it's interesting because you're right. There's a there's a stage that men go through, in my experience, where we kind of want to give back. But at the same time, we're not done. But in some circles, we feel irrelevant or at least like our relevance is challenged. I got to see this. This wasn't an area that I was looking at. And I actually got the experience to be in a transformational room with two former professional athletes and they both were highly accomplished had achieved all their really well. I mean you know whether they were hall of famers or whatnot but they had played you know anywhere from 10 to 20 years they had won awards they had been in championship games or won them and they still felt like they weren't fulfilled or satisfied or that they weren't good enough and I sat there going oh my god this is all the same stuff I think. Isn't that crazy? And doesn't that sound like a cool game to play with those guys or those women? But because it doesn't have to be men. Women are doing the same thing in sports. Because if if you're able to achieve that level of greatness in one area mm-hmm. and we can turn that and put it onto something else, it's I just see them being unstoppable. True. All right. Thanks for being with us today. And we are continuing our conversation with Molly Gordon. Molly is a true pioneer in the coaching profession. She was one of the first members and I think the first president, Molly, up in Washington of the ICF Washington State. Um, after we formed as a formal chapter, yes. Before that, we just ha- we had a leadership team rather than officers. Nice. Joining us uh, from her palatial mansion, I'm sure, in the Puget Sound (laughs) area of Washington. (laughs) She's an instructor, a mentor coach for the University of Miami. She works with Seven Paths Forward, ClientWise, and Coach Masters Academy. Uh, As I said, uh, uh, known throughout the profession as a coach's coach and a visionary, we're talking about her open letter to the coaching community sent recently, where she called out our industry and, um, and sort of took us to task, if you will, for the lack of diversity in both coach training, credentialing, and that master coaches by and large in our industry are, you know, white humans from mostly from North America. Um, in our in our conversation, I sort of alluded earlier to the PCC markers. This is a big mm. change that's coming down the the pike. We're all getting trained in this sort of um, cattle cars of cohorts uh, with with other coach trainers. Uh, what is your thinking about this as a as a coach and a leader, and then looking through the lens of diversity and inclusion? Yeah. Wow. Great question. Um, okay. So, um, I, I am an assessor for ICF and I use, I use the markers when I do PCC exams, uh, or applications for credentials. I don't love them. To be honest, I, my concern about markers as an approach is that, um, they're inherently reductive. Mm -hmm. They become a checklist. Am I picking up what you're pointing to? Exactly. Yeah. From it, we're told don't use these, don't train to the markers. Right. I don't know how you can not train to the markers. I mean, we're going to test on it, but don't train to it. Right. Yeah. Don't train to it. Uh, People are going to pay you $10,000 to go through your program, but please don't train to the markers. So that's, that's problematic. I appreciate what ICF is, is attempting to do. um, And as a, but no, I think it's problematic. And I'm very concerned that uh, if we go this path with uh, the MCC credential, that I just don't know how you can achieve the kind of evaluation that we want with a reductive list of behaviors. Clear. And yet you're planning on being uh, able to train and listen, and, and that's what and you're the, using in your assessment? And the way I integrate that or and reconcile that for myself is uh, I look at the markers at whatever level and the credential at whatever level as I think it's important and I can I feel like I can stand by this in integrity to be able to demonstrate an understanding of the competencies as articulated by ICF and as delineated by the markers. I do not think that the markers or the competencies are adequate to fully capture what coaching is. But if you if you can't get that much, then you don't get it. So it's like a bare minimum, in my view. 
clear. Um, but we're using it. Any any uh, mm -hmm. view on the PCC markers as regards diversity and inclusion? Is it across cultural? Uh, is it more friendly to to different cultures? Is it more friendly to people from different socioeconomic strata, or is it none of the above? I don't know. I think that's a really important question to ask. I I have talked with some. Uh, coaches about this, coaches of color in particular, uh, not so much about the markers, but about the competencies. And my preliminary sense of it is that um, the competencies in themselves, uh, in the markers in themselves, may be, uh, may be applicable and accessible across cultures but that we have to really look at what um, implicit assumptions and interpretations we have around them, mm. that there's a, kind of a shared value system, uh, background of obviousness that white Eurocentric coaches have, and that it's that background that causes the drift uh, I don't feel like I'm being very articulate, but it's 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 those the sets of assumptions and interpretations and language around the the competencies and around the markers that make it difficult to apply across cultures. Just one example: we talk, of course, about listening and uh, responding. One of the markers, some of the PC markers, are about uh, how we respond to shifts in energy and emotion in the client. And appropriate emotional response and tracking varies tremendously across cultures. So that we track our clients emotionally is a valid and cross-culturally valid coaching competency or coaching marker. But what the indicators are that you're doing that are going to vary from culture to culture. Mm. Molly, equality like making it fair, making it better for everyone. Like we look at life, right? Equality doesn't mm -hmm. fully exist in there isn't, anything. yeah. There's, it's always life is not equal. Off, yeah, it's always off balance. And as humans, we probably put that on steroids and and you know take it off the rails to a whole nother place. Well, and we're wired for bias. That's in mm -hmm. our neurology, and that's nobody's fault. Yeah. So how do we like how do we even do this? How do we create yeah. a because right? And we could create any any test, any evaluation and it can't actually be balanced for we want mm -hmm. it to, like if even if we wanted it to and that was our whole intention it will never be balanced for every single person in every mm -hmm. single situation so mm -hmm. what do we do we do our best i don't think we can say that it's not possible to create a diverse and equitable and inclusive culture of coaching because we haven't actually tried because we haven't had the understanding, the perspective, and the commitment to try. So I don't buy that we can't do it. Will it be complicated, difficult, messy? Oh yeah. So with that, how what do what when you're in your view, what would be the next, you know, the next actions, the next steps to move that forward? Well, per, for me personally, I'm continuing to educate myself because as I wrote this letter, I thought, oh, my God, I need to know a whole lot more <laughs> about what to do instead. Right. So, for example, uh, I'm taking a class this summer called Whiteness at Work, um, learning more about how to how to identify and uh, call out and shift cultures of white supremacy in systems and in organizations. Uh, I'm going to ACTO. I hope to learn a great deal more there. I'm consciously seeking out the perspectives of coaches from other cultures and other life experiences and contexts instead of assuming that I have the full data set. Uh, so those are the beginning things. I'm... Um... I appreciate that. What would you have us do? In other words, there are coaches listening that are, you know, beginning coaches. There are coaches listening that have been around for a while. What would you mm -hmm. have us do? Take classes? What do you got? It, it, that's where I would start. I would have everybody go to, and there are, I'm sure there are other great programs out there. I happen to know of two that I think are very solid. 
One is uh, diversityisanasset.com. It's an affordable and accessible co uh, course that will equip people to recognize and talk about and think about uh, systemic um, bias and oppression. So that's where I would start at diversityisanasset.com. And this is one of the things um, that some resources were offered to Annie last year. And as best I can tell, and Annie's had a, a family situation. I don't know the details, but I know someone in her family has been either gravely injured or taken ill. And so she's not been available for a conversation. But my observation is that Annie did not avail herself of some of the trainings and suggestions that were offered last year. And as a result, she was not equipped to, uh, to convene a diverse panel this year because it takes more than just wanting to do different. We really need to educate ourselves if we want to do different. You've also uh, given us some other places to look. Uh, one is the, um, I appreciate that you put a link into the Essence of Mastery Summit, Annie Gelflin's uh, um, program that's available to people literally throughout the world. Uh, you've also given us a, a, a link to Hard Conversations, an introduction to racism. Yes, on that's right. Patty Thank Dig, you. that's P-A-T-T-I-D-I-G-H dot com forward slash racism, but, mm -hmm. uh, and as well as diversity as an asset, but also a, a connection to the ACTO conference, which I'll be attending. Sadly, I think my travel schedule precludes me from being in your uh, breakout session, but I'll definitely have my folks there, if you know what I mean, from my organization. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I've found most valuable, if you don't mind, I'll contribute, is from sure. um, is from a, a place called uh, Black Girl Dangerous. It's a blog. It's now available under bgdblog.org. And it's an article written by, I'm going to I'm going to massacre the name, Nok Lone Trang from mm. 2013, where we're challenged to call in versus calling out yes. as a way of holding people accountable. It's mm -hmm. a brilliant uh, piece, and I don't want to try and, you know, do a disservice by, by summarizing it. But the point is we can educate and speak to each other with love even as we yes. bring these issues forward. Do you feel Absolutely. like you did that with your open letter? I do. That was my intent. Great. Simple, clear. Um, and I appreciate so much your courage in doing that because it's really what we need, not only in our industry, but throughout industry, yeah, is, mm -hmm. a, is yes. a powerful, positive stand for something that doesn't shame or make wrong, that invites people to own the opportunities and the development that's needed. Um, any, anything coming up that you want to talk about besides the ACTO conference? Not that that's not a huge thing, but have you got other things that you're bringing up or that you invite us to participate with you in? I think the, the ACTO conference, and I would just add that they're, it's a, they're live streaming it and you can register to participate, um, by video live, or for a slightly lower price, you can register and just get the recordings of the video of the conference. So I encourage people who can't be there or who can't justify the travel to the ACTO conference, but who are interested in this to, to please sign up, get those recordings. That would be another excellent way to educate yourself about the state of this conversation in our profession. So. Beautiful. All right. Anything else for you, Mr. Alex? We've got a few more minutes. That was a heavy sigh. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a heavy <laughs> conversation, right? Um, I mean, especially in the, you know, the, the world we live in right now. It's, 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 it, we started this with like, it's everywhere. Right. And I said to Christopher, I'm like, this is a conversation I have in my relationship. Like it is, yeah. it, and it's not, and it's in my family, you know, we, yeah. in, in, the the conversation about your girlfriend wants more diversity and the, uh, yes that's, a, <laughs> that's but confusing the conversations about equality and um, ah. diversity and you know when we try to support one side the other side feels like then they're left out mm. yeah. and there's this that natural you know as as coaches the way we're trained at least you know the, the way i was trained and, and the coaches that surround me is to not be victims of things and to yes. really look at how we can be responsible but everyone in the world isn't like that. Everyone doesn't have that training and we can't look at other people and say, stop being a victim. Right. <laughs> that doesn't help anything. 
Um, but so we just, can set an example of what that looks like. Yeah. Thanks you know, I think that. we're really well positioned as an industry to lead in this area and to lead not in the sense of striking out and doing this magnificently politically correct right thing, but to lead by stepping out and saying, you know, we're probably not going to get this right, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to work on it and we're going to keep at it until we do get it right. And I did just think of something very important that everyone can do. Everyone listening who's part of the mainstream dominant culture in coaching, which is white and Eurocentric, you can choose to read, listen to, and watch creative work, fiction and nonfiction, by people of color. Just last week, Ava DuVernay's series, When They See Us, about the five young men who were improperly railroaded mm -hmm. and convicted of raping a woman in Central Park in 1989, was released on Netflix. It's a powerful series. Uh, a few years ago, she did a documentary called 13th, also on Netflix. By immersing yourselves in the storylines of people who are different from you, you will become better able to take other perspectives. It's not about replacing your experience with a superior experience, but it is about widening it. As, co as coaches, we know the power of story. We know the power of archetypes. We know the power of metaphor. And we can all expand our range of understanding, our range of compassion, and our willingness to act by immersing ourselves in the lived experience of other peoples and cultures through art and creative works. Beautiful. What a great note for us to end on. That's Molly Gordon. You can find out more by going to shaboominc.com. And Alex Terranova, thank you so much for being with us. Um, Molly, generally, I would invite you to leave us with a parting thought, but I think that was the perfect one. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Thank you both very much for being with us. And thank you, dear listener, for uh, joining us for a serious and important conversation about diversity and the future of coaching. Uh, check it out. Go to, uh, if you're interested, the Essence of Mastery Summit. Dot com. Uh, definitely diversity is an asset.com and check out actoonline.org for the Association of Coach Trainings 2019 conference, the human tapestry challenge, illuminate and celebrate and get it that live streaming option. All right. Thank you all very much. And uh, that's another edition of the coaching show behind us. We'll talk to you next week.